1: Well, hey there, motherfuckers. You know, this isn't what I planned on originally, but I went back and decided to add a more experiential episode to this defining CPTSD conversation because sometimes I turn off my feelings just to exist and my two 800-level neuroscience courses aren't really helping right now. So let's all take a step back to just what is complex trauma untreated when you're actually living in it. Because, you know, some of us really just want to hear to the most basic extent that we aren't alone in all of this. Spreading validation of not being individually doomed by prior trauma was really the whole purpose of this project from the start. So let's go back to that original theme and break this down a lot more easily, emotionally, and experientially today. So we've learned that complex trauma is socially based, repeated trauma that takes place when a person's brain is still developing. And this means sexual and physical abuse, yes, but also bullying from inside or outside the family unit, verbal and emotional abuse, over-controlling, emotionally void, or negligent parenting being around emotionally dysregulated and therefore cognitively dysregulated human beings who probably had their own untreated psychological downfalls. Really, anything that's going to cause chaos, such as addictions, poverty, unexpected loss, abandonment, and neurotic energy. Also, anything that causes internal chaos, such as overly critical, overly up your butt, overly dismissive or just unpredictable family members. These are the factors that create CPTSD. Complex trauma also comes from being overly controlled and dismissed, being told you're not right in some or every way, being expected to perform for others at the drop of a hat in some or every way, Being responsible for the emotional burden of the whole family unit, being expected to show up as the epitome of traditional values or social compliance, also commonly being told that you're too sensitive or too difficult within the social unit. You know, those early subtle gaslightings that convince you feelings aren't allowed or normal, and yours are definitely wrong. So you can enjoy repressing your feelings for the rest of your life instead of ever listening to them telling you, wait, hold up. It seems like these people ain't right. These are also the factors that contribute to CPTSD. Generally, complex trauma comes from anything that makes your brain start repeating scripts of being outcast and unacceptable, shameful, or blameful, as in... Being overly responsible for yourself or others, or the possible negative events of the entire world that might befall you, because we love victim-blaming in trauma-narrated social groups. Any event that made you unsure of who you are, what you are, or where you fit into the social hierarchy of the social group, or any event that made you doubt you fit into any social group, Having an ongoing sense of being lonely, isolated, unsupported, unwanted, on your own or other. These are the events that lead to CPTSD. And on an experiential basis, these are a lot of the thought activities that we have, along with the back-and-forth black-and-white thinking that comes with emotional swings we can't seem to control which accounts for a whole lot of that emotional dysregulation issue that we run into. Let me tell you right now, emotional disorders may be ingrained in biochemical imbalances eventually, but your thoughts and emotions cyclically fuck with each other to a degree that you have absolutely never noticed before. I don't think that 99% of we humans have Now, from what I've seen, complex trauma folks are prime examples of top-down depression. As in, we're very prone to commonly falling down depressive pits that begin with our own negative evaluation of self, which actually began with other people's negative evaluations of our self being pretty persistently injected into our -our eager-to-understand-our-place brains many years ago. The emotional change then circles back up to your brain and creates another cognitive shit fest, and soon we're stuck in a depressive circle of death, with your cognitions and emotions equally tainting each other. In other words, if your brain has been primed correctly with things, as we've discussed, that lead to CPTSD, then your thoughts can create their own mental health adventures. And... On an attentional front, there's also a lot to say. Like, we're lacking control, as in, you know, we have a lot of attention, but it's not focused where we want it to go all the time. We can have hyperactive attention that's spread across too many topics. This is why we're all being diagnosed with ADHD as a symptom of CPTSD right now. Or our attention can be too concentrated in one single area, which leads to the obsessive and anxious issues that we commonly also have, such as in relationships and work and health troubles. Now, on the other hand, we can have a degraded ability for hosting our cognitive attention, such as when our emotions are too large and we intellectually dissociate. Like those days when you're in a fog, unable to do anything besides get pummeled by your feelings. Or during the times when our parasympathetic systems are way too overactive, so we can pretty much only stare at walls and sleep all day. Those are times when your brain just feels too tired to be functional anymore, which seems a lot like an attentional failure. It's worth noting you probably often have this too-tired-to-exist feeling at the beginning, middle, and end of your chronically stressful days. And this is because we also have extremely inefficient brains. They're so busy processing old events that we actually have less working capacity than others do. Our Executive functioning activities such as working memory, planning, organizing, and having self-control are also greatly inhibited when your brain is just draining all of its energy, constantly trying to resolve subconscious sensory upsets and shame spirals. These are like open circuits that we don't necessarily even realize are still spinning our energy around. And this unsettled emotional energy drain, it acts like a background process running 24 7, inhibiting your higher level thinking abilities. And that's going to be doubly the case when you're trapped in a state of acute or chronic stress system arousal. So, scientifically, and I need you to hear me on this scientifically, it's proven that your brain cannot operate. Like it is supposed to when you're carrying an emotional, cognitive, or stress overload. And it gets much worse when it happens day after day on repeat. This will degrade your mental functioning acutely and chronically, which will degrade your lifestyle. So, folks who go on disability from trauma or who suffer massive productivity dips out of seemingly nowhere when things get triggered or too tumultuous. Or who can't keep up with basic tasks when things get riled in life. Yeah, this is why. There's a reason. You actually, please hear this again, biologically cannot access your entire human brain, the frontal lobe, when you are dealing with some rough shit. So there you go. Stop hating yourself as compared to whoever you're thinking of as high-functioning, maybe even a younger you. Now, on a memory system basis, we're also pretty troubled when we have complex trauma in our background. We compartmentalize and therefore seemingly black out massive pieces of our memories. And this is because the neuronal bits that we don't want to visit, the negative memories, the ones that are too painfully emotionally loaded or that cause survival system responses, we just won't go there anymore. We learn to avoid areas of our own brains, and then we make the breakup as permanent as possible via letting those brain connections, you know, atrophy and die, leaving us with less pathways to get back to the unwanted neural information. We also have extremely strong implicit memory systems, but weaker explicit memories access, Meaning that we have a lot of emotionally coded recollections, but we're not so great at the wordy ones. And this is possibly from routinely dissociating throughout our days, or from having a reduced sense of self, which is what I like to call our ongoing human consciousness. There's also a lot to say about the right versus left brain, sympathetic versus parasympathetic activation, but at the root of it, just know. We're a lot better at emotions and feelings than we are at applying words to those abstract concepts. Now, um, if we're talking about having shit memory systems, let's also think about that loss of self thing. If you aren't really here on a daily basis existing in your body and realizing that you actually, you know, exist every day on a continuous timeline that you're paying attention to and sewing new details into, well, you're probably going to have a much harder time encoding new memories in those fancy language memory forms. So those of us who have blocked out recollections from like ages five to eight or last week through yesterday, for example, but maybe amazing memories when it comes to recalling song lyrics from like 25 years ago, Well, it's because you encode those things differently, firstly. You're more primed for the emotional details, secondly. And your brain keeps some of these things far, far from your waking consciousness in order to protect you, thirdly. Now, what is the main driver of this neural segmentation skill, you ask? The answer is shame. So it is pretty much impossible to talk about living with complex trauma without talking about the main mechanism of feeling unacceptable and broken, plus all of the downstream effects. Shame. Essentially feeling like you done fucked up with your loved ones is the intended role of shame. On a physical level, it's like a hot flash in the head, neck, and chest that comes with For me, a lot of heavy pressure and gut churning. Why? Well, this happens because shame is actually an evolutionary process meant to make you snap back into good social etiquette in order to minimize the likelihood of being abandoned or exiled. Unfortunately, as you can guess, shame is overused in a lot of families, friendships, educational environments, obviously religion, workplaces, and pretty much every other social construct. We wind up accepting narratives that we aren't allowed to do much of anything without suddenly being at risk for social punishment, which makes us extremely self-doubting and likely to accept the perceptions of others before we honor our own. We also wind up over-punishing ourselves with shame circuits that never end. If anything goes wrong in life, we're about... mm, two billion percent likely to blame ourselves. And then we have a tendency to obsessively focus our attention on this shameful thought indefinitely or until we eventually compartmentalize those neurons. During these shame fits, we enter depression territory. We isolate. We get super fucking weird as we continually avoid more and more stimulation especially stimulation from other people because, you know, we're already running at a critical load on a daily basis. Even the slightest criticism, energy change, ambiguity, or perception of negative body language even can push us solidly into a panicking state that presents as an earth emotional upset, possibly to a suicidal degree as all our old shame pathways light up like a string of Christmas lights. Suddenly, we're electrocuted by a life history of being wrong and unlovable. It happens out of nowhere. It makes us feel completely unstable when we're 0.25 seconds away from just fucking take me out behind the barn with a shotgun right now, please. And it clearly points to the presence of a lot of negative self-evaluation programming, which was probably learned through historical experience, not something that's actually inherently wrong with you. A lot of the same learned and developmental programming will also cause us to become extremely anxious, hypervigilant, and catastrophizing with our own assumptions about the past, present, and future. Since we're the worst, the worst is also what we anticipate from life. Since we've always been in the line of fire in the past, our brains are very concerned about detecting present and predicting future dumpster flames. And our dumb body seems to actually think that our stupid fucking brain knows what it's talking about as the supposed adult in charge around here. Therefore, taking our perceptions and creating physical symptoms that only add more energy to the anxious system and feed back into our cognitive loop. It's a vicious cycle that we often get trapped in for years on end as we drive our entire biological reactors into the ground. And by that, I mean, yeah, your emotions are probably like a self perpetuating wildfire in a climate crisis, but also, you know, All of those individual health concerns that you may have been dealing with for a while now, the myriad physical problems ruining your world, they're probably all one thing. They're just stress. If you have autoimmune basically anything, mysterious ailments that come and go, or systemic failures whenever the rest of your life is going to shit, it's your stress system Some people call this fibromyalgia, some people call that internal inflammation receptors and referred pain. A lot of doctors prefer to call the whole thing psychosomatic illness and roll their eyes as they scoff you out of the office. But the laundry list of physical ailments caused by anxiety and stress is out of fucking control. Essentially, we can check all of the above on the list of common symptoms of malaise, But let's also say digestive system deregulations and rapidly changing dietary sensitivities, MS, migraines, mysterious aches and pains, diabetes, dental issues, acid reflux, arthritis, and sudden seeming allergies, to name just a few of the effects of CPTSD on your body. Pretty much anything linked to chronic Western medically uncontrollable inflammation or whole system dysregulation is pretty often a stress imparted illness. And on that note, probably don't bother treating any of them one by one because you'll never win. It's like an ongoing game of whack a mole. Just end up on a handful of meds that don't really address the underlying problem. That's what you'll do with that strategy instead focus on calming the fuck down controlling your cognitions which will control your emotions which will reduce your stress and then keep your survival system in check that'll fix it but um also on an even larger systemic level now pulling together every single thing that we've talked about so far Early untreated CPTSD will also create what we traditionally think of as, quote, unstable lives, like lots of job changes, personal changes, relationship changes, that sort of thing. Now, cumulatively later stage untreated CPTSD will often create stagnant, unchanging lives with few connections or novel experiences as that trauma bubble of perceived safety is created with extremely rigid routines and then very rarely deviated from. An extreme presentation of adaptive avoidance, gone to an extremely dysfunctional degree. Relationship-wise, because of all of these factors and bad relationship behavioral instructions that we learned in our family units, most likely, we tend to recreate abuse dynamics. And that flows in both directions. Sorry. We are most likely to be abused and be abusers compared to the general public. We often become helpless, nervous creatures who project needing saving, and that attracts people who want to control you. You'll probably have tumultuous emotional, highly connective, and feeling wise, very relieving, but poorly executed relationships that feel worse than being alone somehow, but also feel less terrifying than being alone and therefore become deemed necessary in our heads, no matter how much chaos they're creating. We can also flip into the narcissist end of the pool and become abusers ourselves. So yeah, there's a lot to say about narcissists and CPTSD, same with borderline personality disorder and CPTSD, but the point is, with trauma, our relationships tend to be um, bad news. Close relationships are our most challenging ones because they signify security or lack thereof, and also remind of remind us of early family dynamics. We want and fear them. Distant relationships are also hard because we don't trust people. And always assume that they assume the worst about us, just like we do. I think the worst part, though, about all of this is cumulatively speaking about these concerns and the way that they lead to isolation and a feeling of lacking any personal control. Especially when we take all of these tormentors together, coming from the insides of our own brains and bodies and then lie awake all night, every night, and enjoy that endless tour day, all the most humiliating, lonesome, and terrified times in life. In my book, there's probably nothing worse than the insomnia-shame combo that rips away any lingering sense of control or sanity that you ever may have had. And then be sure to wake up in the morning after like two hours of barely sleep, Now extremely hungover from the cocktail of sleep meds you dosed yourself with, and shockingly somehow survived, just to feel that first pang of depression or anxiety that marks your daily reality. Stumble through the day, not really what I would describe as alive, as you just try to do the bare minimum to survive, because completely honestly, your brain doesn't have another single spare ounce of energy to do anything else. Then just numb the roughest moments with substances, food items, and social escapes. Distract yourself with scrolling at dumb shit. Keep asking, what is the point of this endless death march? That's what I call it. And reminding yourself, I didn't even ask to show up at this asshole parade in the first place. And watch miserably as the hours crawl by, trapped inside your own brain, in your own skin, probably feeling pretty easily agitated, angered, and outraged towards everyone, but also, mainly, if you're being honest, at the root of it, towards yourself for the multiply-layered, shameful reasons. Then, get yourself ready for bed at like 7pm, because dear Satan, it's the only thing you look forward to anymore. And uh, get ready, once more, to be wired wide awake, digging through everything you want to forget and more than a few paranoid Google searches about your failing health all night until the sun finally starts to rise again. This, at the most basic level, is the common shared experience of untreated complex trauma. Everything we've talked about here so far are the basics of existing with unmanaged, untreated, unrecovered CPTSD, which, in my eyes, is why we needed a whole extra episode about the experience of seeing your whole life decline from the inside and actively blaming yourself for the whole thing. Also, about how compassionate you can start to be with yourself for enduring this self-perpetuating nightmare That seriously would put anyone in an institution over time. The caveat of all of this being, trying to get treatment to unravel this disaster doesn't necessarily help. And actually, it can often make it all even worse. Because treating CPTSD is not the same as treating anxiety, depression, obsession, and self-hate separately. It actually requires a whole different set of skills. And finally, this challenge is where we are going to pick up next time when we start talking about one of the biggest obstacles in escaping this life-engulfing hellscape. Just finding a therapist who knows how to handle our brains and actually help our unique neural architecture instead of poking the fucking bear and then disappearing. The good news being you can do it, You can find effective trauma therapy, and from there, you can make massive improvements. Life does not have to be this way, and there is a reason to keep trying. Trust me, as a very opportunity-limited individual who just wrote this whole nightmare from an experiential standpoint known as my 20s, But now just casually talks about it in an over-the-top facetious tone while nodding reassuringly that you can get through it too. And um, by the way, doing so during my, quote, spare time outside of being in a master's program, having several jobs, performing daily maintenance on a sensitive bodily ecosystem and navigating, let's call it transient living with nonstop tumult. If my turd butt can get into therapy, get my mental health ailments under control, and rapidly return to high functioning levels of performance, your turd butt can do it too. You just need to know what to look for when you're getting the help to do it. So I'm going to meet you here next time, and we are going to dig into the horror show known as... I need a trauma-trained and experienced therapist with appropriate personal boundaries and no unexamined shame narratives themselves. How's that sound? Great. I'll see you then. Motherfucker, out. Cheers, y'all.